0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Central. My name is Clayton. I'm the pastor here. and I'm so glad that each and every one of you are here with us today. And I'm especially glad for everybody that's, that's watching us um, online. Um, I want to make sure you guys have a chance to follow along with the message. And so on the screens around here, there are QR code. Just scan that with your phone, iPad, whatever. And you can follow along with the message. You can keep those notes. You can save them, download them, send to your friend, whatever, right? And so uh, I want you guys to have a, a chance to, to do that. Well, We're jumping into a a new series um, that we're calling we're calling choices. And we're going through the the book of Philippians. Now, book of Philippians, super rich. There's a lot of stuff there. We don't have time to go through all of it. We don't have time to go through verse by verse. And so we're gonna look at some main themes in the the book of Philippians. And one of the biggest themes is is choices that the believer has to make. Now in our life, we make a lot of choices, you know. I mean, you guys made the choice to, to show up today. Uh, you guys made the choice to sit where you are seated. I mean, some of you guys made the choice like 20 years ago to sit where you're sitting right now. And you just haven't changed at all. And sometimes we actually move the chairs around a little bit just to make you mad. And so, um, you know, we do that every once in a while. But uh, we all make choices. I mean, I, I it, on Sunday mornings, I make the choice to to get up early, and um, I I choose the clothes I wear. And I'm 40 years old, and I've got to the point where I don't even know if I match anymore, but I don't care. You know, anybody else, like, I just don't care anymore. It's just that's where I'm at in life. And so I usually have to ask my kids, is this okay? And I didn't ask them today, so it may be bad. I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize. But here we go. Um, So we're in the middle of this series, very beginning, talking about um, choices that every single one of us has to make. We're in the book of Philippians so you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to there. We're actually going to be in chapter 2 as our main part of, of today's uh, message. But as you're turning there, let me give you a little background on Philippians. Now, Philippians, I love it because it is, it's so practical and it's designed to help us as, as believers oh, live this life out with, to the best of our abilities. And so Paul wrote it to this church in Philippi in around 62 A.D. So Paul, he's actually in prison in Rome about a... 800 to 1,000 miles away from this this city, and he had started this church about 12 years before he he wrote this. And so it's a pretty young church, and it's in in the middle of this really important city. I mean, the interstates of the day kind of connected in Philippi. There's multiple cultures that live there. Um, It is the capital city of this province. In fact, it was so important that the governing officials there, they govern about 730 square miles of territory in, in modern-day Greece today. That's where Philippi is. And chapter 1 is kind of the, the guide for us for the rest of, of the book. And, in fact, the theme is, is that together, as believers, we, we, are better, we are better together, that we are a force for good in this world when we bond Together and have one common mission. In fact, kind of a the theme verse for this whole series is Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Here's what it says here on the screen It says, above all, so this is like super important, this is like it for us, okay? You must live as citizens of heaven. So Paul is, is talking to this, these people. Remember, they, they come from lots of different cultures. Some are Greek, some are Romans, um, some are even Jewish. I mean, there's lots of different uh, people coming together. He says, hey, you're citizens of heaven. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So it says, how you act and how you live matters. It's important. He's going to go on through the rest of Philippians and and give people a choice of how to live. Now, this this book is written for, and Paul is writing to, to Christians So he's talking to our church, but he's also talking to the broader, you know, general church. He's talking to the church in Philippi. He's talking to us. He's also talking to all of Christianity. And Christianity started out pretty small. When Jesus was here on this earth, there was a couple hundred followers. When the the first church kind of began, there's a couple thousand followers. By 100 A.D., this was written in 62, but by 100 A.D., there's about 10,000 followers in that area. By 200 A.D., there's about 200,000 followers. It's growing from 10,000 to 200,000. It's exploding all around the Roman Empire. About 100 years ago, there was 600 million Christians around the world. But today, there's 2.5 billion Christians around the world. That's a lot of people. There's lots of different traditions that kind of Christianity is, is kind of practiced in. There's catholicism there's there's greek orthodox there is protestantism and within protestants that's kind of where we find ourselves within protestants there's a ton of different denominations there's so many denominations there's even non denominations okay it's just crazy there's a lot of stuff we don't have time to go through all that today but but we need to realize that there is a lot of differences within christianity there's even differences within what we would call as being Baptist. There's 47,000 churches in the Southern Baptist Convention, which is just one of the Baptist conventions within the United States. And if you think about all the people that are in this Southern Baptist Convention, which is the biggest, biggest kind of denomination in, in the United States, there is, it's only about half of a percent of all Christians around the world. Okay? So it's a really small percentage. And the question today that I have for us is... How do we respond? How do we act towards the other 99.5%? You see, there's differences amongst us. And when we aren't properly understanding these differences and living living our way of doing things out the correct way, what happens is it leads to division within the different ways of doing Christianity. And it leads to this like us versus them mentality. Some of you guys have experienced that. Some of you guys actually live that out right now. It's like us, it's just us versus everybody else. But Paul knew this. Paul knew this about this, this early church. And he knew this was going to happen within Christianity. And so he asks a question in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And so if you have Bibles, make sure you turn to there. That's what we're going to look at today. Here's, here's this question. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? He asks these questions, and honestly, they're kind of like hypothetical questions, because the answer to all of those, if we're in Christ, the answer is yes. I mean, think about this. Is there encouragement for, for being connected with Jesus? The answer is yes. Is there comfort from his love? And like, yes, I have comfort from his, his love. I Are we fellowshipping together in the spirit with other Christians? Yes, we are. Are our hearts tender and compassionate? Yes. Like when when Jesus is important in our lives, He if He is the top priority, then yes to all of those things. And what it's what Paul is saying is that, hey guys, look, if you agree on all those things, then you have more in common than you think. No matter what church you're a part of, there's more in common. Then there are differences. In fact, here's a great statement for us if you're taking notes. It's this that Christians should be known for what unites us, not divides us. Back in October, some of the people in our church went to to Israel. We're at the Church of the Nativity. This is where the place where Jesus was born. He wasn't born in a church, like, it didn't exist, right? It's a cave, but they put a church on top of it. And you can go and and visit this place. You got to go down these steps and we we got to the church a little late. I mean, late in the day, the place is about to close and there are these, these like monks walking around with the their monk gear and they're like, "Hurry up, let's go." Like they're trying to like get us through this as fast as possible. And there's probably a thousand people. We're stuck right in the middle of this massive line that's about 10 people wide and just as long as you can see. And we're inside the church trying to go through it and we're americans right we're just like we're, we're in charge of this place you know we're americans and and right behind us were these were these indians indian christians not native american indians but like hindu you know from, from india kind of kind of christians and and um and so they had their their dress on they were all dressed up in their in their native way of dressing and and they were kind of pushy i mean i, w- I wouldn't li- i would i didn't like it I mean we didn't like it and so so we, we kind of got some of the guys, and we kind of formed this human chain. And they were trying to push. And we're, like, pushing back. And we're, like, you know, get in line. We're America first, right? And they're, they're, they kept kind of pushing us. And we were getting upset about it. Like, man, I've been waiting my whole life to be here, and you're pushing me. Like, leave me alone, right? And I was talking, sorry. And I was talking to this lady, um, this lady behind me. I didn't know they really spoke English. And she just, she goes, I like your shoes. Like, to me. And I was like, hey, you know. And I turned around and had like a 10-minute conversation with this lady. Um, I don't know what Christian, Christian you know, practices she had or what her tradition was, but I quickly realized how foolish I was. Like, they were just like us. They spoke a different language. They had different cultures. But somehow God put us in the same line because we were focused on the same thing. We wanted to go and see the cave where Jesus was born. You know, unity is important, right? It's important for, for us. No matter what or how many differences we have, as Christians, we are to be unified. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 says this. That some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. So it's saying, say, hey, we're all different, okay? But we have all been baptized into one body By one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So, if we believe that we have more in common than not, here's what the Bible calls us to do. We're called to do something. In fact, Paul is going to to say, right after those questions that he just, those hypothetical questions he just asked, saying, Hey, trying to say, hey, we're we're united. We have a common goal here. Here's what he says in the very next verse of Philippians chapter 2. He says, then make me truly happy. Okay, if you want to make me happy, do this. Make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. I love that. He's saying, hey, Christians, no matter what some of the differences you have, here's what you need to do. You need to agree wholeheartedly on some things. You need to love one another. That's important. And work together, and it says, with one mind and purpose. And the Greek there actually says, one-spirited. Saying, like, man, there's this depth to not just believing the same things, but being, like, connected with one spirit. You have one purpose. But the problem is, is that churches today, like, we're uniquely different, aren't we? I mean, there's tons of differences within the church. I mean, there's, there's different expressions of worship Just within, like, the United States. I mean, think about it. Like, some churches, you go into it, it's very solemn, okay? That's how worship is, which is fine. That's the the way they do it. Some of them are very liturgical, and they might even do a lot of reciting of things. And that's fine. That's the way that they they do that. There's some that believe that you should not have any instruments at all in the church. And so it's a cappella, and they can actually harmonize. And, like, we can't. So, but anyways, but they, they got that. So they got that going, there's some churches that's like, hey, hymns only, and that's, that's what Jesus did. You know, he wrote the Baptist hymnal. You know, that's what the disciples were, were singing. Don't get me started on that. Um, some are like, hey, no, no demon drums over here, no drums in the church. Those are, you can't have those. Like, some people believe or some people practice with, where you got, like, a full orchestra up here on stage or to the side of the stage. That's fine. Some have modern bands like like we do. It doesn't really matter. I mean, some, some churches are hand-raising churches, okay? We got some hand-raisers in here. That's how they express worship, and that is fine. You go to some churches, like, everybody's raising their hand, okay? You got some churches that, man, they'll get some streamers going on up in here, and they're dancing, they got the symbols going, you've been to a church like that, I've been to a church like that, like whoa, let's go, you know? Like everybody's into it. But that's just the way that that pe- different people worship. I and mean, that's just here in the United States. I mean, think about around the world, there's thousands of different expressions of worshiping Jesus. There's also some different practices. Like we got some KJVers kind of, you know, people um, in churches, which is fine, you know, it's God's word. We got some that are to see the church as like a members only club. So, you know, you got to show your Christian card before you can get in. Like, the church is just for non believers, you stay out. This is just for, for, for Christians. I mean, some churches, that's kind of their, their philosophy of things. Um, some have like discipleship as the number one goal. So they're very inwardly focused about building and growing believers. Some are very evangelistic, and so evangelism is kind of their number one goal, and you can see it in the things that they do. Some people, you know, speak in tongues, right? Some people have different views on who can have authority. Can it be a man? Can it be a woman as well? Can it be, uh, is it the elders? Is it, is it deacons? Or is it the committee on committees? Anybody? Right. Like, right? okay, that's, that's hey, by the way, we have a committee on committees, and we talk to people outside of our church about that, and they're like, what? Like, that's the most Baptist thing you could ever do is have a committee on committees. It's like, who's in charge, right? So people have different ways of expressing that. I just watched a video yesterday on, on, uh, on YouTube, and there were this guy, they were, they were interviewing this, this pastor, and uh, it's a small little church, like in Alabama somewhere, and very Pentecostal, and they believed. Um, there's a chapter in, in Mark, chapter 16, and there's a passage at the very end of Mark. Now, the problem is, is that this passage is not um, in the earliest manuscripts. And so if you, read, if you go to your Bible, Mark 16, it's probably going to have a little line that says it's not in the very earliest manuscripts. We're not sure, but we're going to go ahead and put it in here. But what it's a warning say, don't put all your faith and your practices in this section because we're not really sure if it's like actually God's word or if it's just part of the, the commentary of that passage. But in this passage, it says that, that it gives the Great Commission in another way right, going to all the world and make disciples, and then begins to describe how if you have snakes, like snakes won't harm you, poisonous snakes, and if you, if you drink poison, it's not going to harm you, and this pastor was talking about how um, he was like the third generation of this church. Now, his di- dad had died um, handling snakes, and his, uh, his uh, like, cousin or something was the other pastor, and he died as well, but he's like, it's his turn, you know? And so they bring out part of their practice, they bring out snakes in a, in a, in a wooden box, and they, they put it on, the, on the, the pulpit here, and they also bring out a little vial of poison, okay? And they, say, they sit here and go, okay, this is what the Bible says. If you have true faith, who's up? All right? Let's go. You're like, whoa, I'm not doing that, okay? But I don't know. Like, I was listening to this guy, and it was like a 30-minute interview, and I was just kind of like, ah, whatever, at the beginning. But, man, I was like, this guy, he really loves Jesus, And this is just his way of doing that. I think it's a little crazy, but that's his way. That's his way. I think it might be good for us as a church to say this first and foremost, that we need to interpret Scripture correctly, okay? We need to do that. We need to interpret what the Bible actually says. And then we need to focus on what's most important. Because we have a lot of differences. We need to focus on some of the basics of the faith, like Jesus, come to this earth, living a perfect life, being the son of God. Him dying on the cross to save you from your sins and rising from the grave. If we can agree on that and and have that as a basis for our faith, then I think that's going to serve us well. In fact, here's a way that we could look at it. We need to do this. We need to anchor on the rocks. We need to anchor on things that are going to hold us on the big things of the faith. Now, all the things we've kind of been talking about the last couple of minutes, those are like pebbles and sand compared to the rocks of the faith. All the ways that we live out certain passages and certain verses, and we have tons of different ways to do that, those are like sand and pebbles, but we need to be focused on, on the big stuff, on the rocks. So here are some of the big ones, okay? Rock number one is God. What do we believe about God? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect in Trinity, part of the Godhead, it's important to know what we believe. So if you're a part of a church that says, hey, you know, Jesus, he's not really God. I mean, like, he's a good, good guy and, and, you know, was a, was a, a great, great leader and said some great, amazing things that we can live our lives on. But they're, they won't, don't say, hey, he's actually the Son of God, okay? He's God in the flesh. You're like, whoa, like... That's a rock. Like, that's an important thing that we need to agree on. Another big rock is the Bible. What do we believe about the Bible? Do we believe that it's just a a group of great sayings and historical stuff and a lot of it's just kind of some fables and some life lessons? And, you know, every other religion has kind of their holy book and this is just our holy book and everybody's kind of going to the same place. Like, what do you believe about the Bible? Or do you believe that the Bible is the inerrant spoken word of God? The Holy Spirit inspired people to write the words that are there, they are there for us, to know who God is, to be able to experience him, to understand, like as, as a mirror, like a reflection of who we are, that we are, we are sinners in need of a Savior. The Bible helps us to understand that, and it gives us, us the solution, right? The solution is Jesus, which brings me to the third rock. The third rock is the gospel. We need to know what we believe about the gospel. The gospel is just another word for the good news. The good news about Jesus and what he did for us. This is honestly the whole reason why we exist as a church. To live out the gospel in our lives personally, corporately as a church, but also to share that gospel with the world. That we are, we are all sinners and we need a savior. And Jesus is that savior. Trust in them. But do you believe that, that you know, the, there's, yeah, there is the gospel and Jesus saves, but, you know, you got to do these other things too to kind of make it right. Well, that's not the gospel. That's not faith alone. So if you're in a church that kind of says that, you got to like take a step back and say, is that, is that a rock? Like, is that, is that a big enough thing to make a decision on? And the truth is, is we need to focus on what's most important. And when we focus on most, mo, what's most important, then we can do what's most critical. And Jesus teaches us what is most critical. So we have these rocks and hey, these are things we're going to focus on. So now what are we supposed to do? And Jesus teaches us, and he says this, follow me, okay? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He says, hey, here's the focus you need to have in your life. The focus needs to be on me. Follow me here's what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to be fishers of men. This is the action of our faith. We take these rocks, these beliefs, and say, you know what, we're going to agree on these things. We might have some smaller pebbles and some sand, different things, different ways of doing church to living out our, our faith. But if we can agree on these big things, then we're supposed to do something. We're supposed to be fishers of men. Another way of saying it is this, anchor on the rocks and grab your side of the net. Grab your side of the net. I think about the disciples and Jesus, there's a story where Jesus, he has this, there's this miraculous catch of fish and he performs this miracle. And these disciples get overwhelmed at the number of fish. And so you know what they did? They asked for help. And so all the other disciples, other people are coming and they're helping to lift this net up into the boat so they can, they can bring in their catch. And I think this is a great thing for us to think about when it comes to us with other churches, you and I, as Central Baptist Church, or whatever church you go to, you have one part of the net. And there's other churches down the street. There's other churches in other cities. There's other churches in other states and around the world that are holding on to one part of the net. We've got our part to play. We're all doing this together. In fact, the net is too big for just us to be able to hang on to, Right? But what's amazing is when churches decide to cooperate, that's what this is called, cooperation. When churches decide to cooperate and say, hey, look, we're going to be different, but you know what? We're going to be able to reach different people. Let's let's agree on the big things, and let's grab our part of the net. Because the one thing in common that churches that do that is is that they're trying to reach people. And there are churches that are going to reach people that, that we can't reach. Some of them speak literally a different language than we speak. So they can reach people that we can't reach. Some of them focus on a, a portion of our community to reach people that we might not focus on we might focus on a different portion. But we come together to grab our part of the net and try to be fishers of men. And you might say, okay, Clay, that's great. You know, I get that. I want to focus on the rocks. I want to grab my part of the net. But... Like, I just got some hang-ups. I mean, I can't get over the fact that that church believes that. Or that church does fill in the blank. And I, I just can't get over it. Well, let me just tell you, if, it's, if that's not one of the rocks, you got you to gotta move on. <laughs> like, you got to get over that. Because that's how they are going to, to live their faith. Because a lot of people, that's how they grew up. And for you... The way you practice your faith might be because that's how you grew up, right? And some of us, honestly, we grow up with some theological um, traditions that sometimes come from, like, your pastor telling you that, hey, we are this church, this small church, we are the only ones who have it right. I'm not just talking about, you know, in general. I'm talking about, like, we are the only church in the world that's got it. Like, we have we got the market cornered on Christianity. We, we have a monopoly of what is right. And I'm telling you this, if a church is saying that, <laughs> you need to kind of just back up a little bit, okay? Because that's actually pretty, that's pretty silly. It's pretty dangerous as well. It's pretty, it's pretty narrow-minded. Because the Bible says that we're supposed to test the spirits. Like, what does that mean? Like, what spirits? It sounds weird. What it's saying is you need to test the stuff that's coming out of this guy's mouth, okay? You got to test what's being said. Does it line up with Scripture? Some of us need to think about the beliefs that we have and ask ourselves is that actually what the Bible teaches in in general? Or have we kind of focused on some small little things and made them rocks when God didn't intend them to be that important in the faith? Now, if I'm ruffling some feathers today, good, okay? It's my job up here. I love to do that, okay? I love all the emails during the week. It's great. The problem is some of us are anchored in sand and pebbles. And we need to be anchored theologically on the rocks. And if we can do that and say, you know what? We're going to focus on the big things. Yes, we have our expressions of worship. We have our expressions of living out our faith. But you know what? At the end of the day... These are the big things that we're going to focus on. If we can do that, then we can grab our side of the net. You might say, well, Clayton, those are, these are great ideas, but how do, you actually, how do you actually do that? Well, Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He actually teaches us. And what he says is that we're supposed to choose Jesus' focus. Okay? If we want to do that, if we want to be anchored on the rocks, if we want to grab our side of the net, how do we actually do that? Well, you got to choose the focus that Jesus had. And his focus was was full of humility and it was full of selflessness. In fact, the very next verse, here's what he says. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. That's hard to do. Don't look out for your own interest, or only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And he says, here's how you do it. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he goes on to describe what Jesus did and the humility that Jesus, as an example, gave to us. What Paul is saying is you got to take out your Jesus binoculars, okay? You've got you to adjust that focus. You know, like a binoculars, when you want to focus on something far away... Like you, you adjust that focus so the things that are behind it are blurry, and the things in front of it are blurry, and you can focus on that one thing. And that's what Paul is saying. saying, hey, you need to, you need to have some Jesus binoculars on, right? You need to put his focus as, as your focus. You need to make it your focus. And so here's how this works. We focus on the, the most important things. And the other things, we don't make and elevate them to places where they shouldn't be. Practically, think about social media, A lot of people love to, like, attack other beliefs, other ways of expressing their faith. Some of us kind of do that on social media. Maybe we should stop. (laughs) Maybe our focus shouldn't be on that. Maybe our focus should be on what Paul said about cooperation and unity and love and being there for one another. When you drive past another church, and I promise you today... You're going to, unless you live next door, you're gonna drive past another church before you make it home. So instead of thinking about, I wonder what they believe, that's kind of weird. There's not many people in the parking lot, or why are there so many people in the parking lot? They probably don't really believe. Like, whatever, right? Like sometimes we have these, these thoughts about these other churches, we have really no idea. Maybe we instead of just having those thoughts, maybe we should pray for them, right? Maybe we should say, God, man, make that church explode with people who are coming to faith in Jesus. That's humility, right? That's what that's all about. Are we focused more on defending our way of doing Christianity or on sharing Christianity? Maybe we need to stop telling people why they're wrong and why we're right. Instead, we need to start asking them questions. Maybe we need to start listening to them. Maybe we need to start loving them and say, you know what? We're going to do things differently. I still love you. I'm still cheering you on. Here's the thing. I need this. I need an attitude adjustment. Okay? I live and breathe this church. I want this church to grow. I want it to, to succeed. I want people to come to faith. I'm like, this is it. This is the best church in the world. Come here, right? Like That's my belief. I really truly believe that. This church is amazing. and God is doing some incredible things. You know what? I need to be praying for the other church down the street. I need to be cooperating with them because they're going to be able to reach some, reach some people that they don't like a short, bald guy, okay, right? <laughs> it's just the, that's just the, the truth. This passage says we've got to put other people at the top of our prayer list. We've got to align our attitude with Jesus, which was full of humility. Now, okay, we all know that where two or more gathered, in Jesus name what there eventually will be conflict okay that's what the bible says you know what i'm saying okay okay that's just the truth <laughs> it's not what Jesus said sorry apologize lord right he said he said he'll be there with us but we also know that we're human and whenever a church comes together people come together there's eventually going to be conflict there's conflict in our church all the time okay we're a family and there's conflict between other churches Sometimes it's over our preferences, sometimes it's over our practices, and sometimes it's over our theological differences. But Jesus said this, they will know, other people, the world will know that you are my disciples when? When you love each other. Not when you're theologically correct, not when you bash other people, but when you love each other. Like, Our reputation is on the line with the way we love other churches. In fact, the gospel itself is on the line. That's why Jesus believed that unity was so important. It was so important that he spent one of his prayers to the Father praying for unity. Look what he says. John 17, he says, I pray that they will all be one. That the church, not just our church, but all churches will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that, get this, that the world will believe you sent me. He's saying, I pray that the church will be unified as one so that other people would say, you know what, there's something different about them. What do they they believe about? What, what, What makes them so unique? And they begin to see that Jesus really is who Jesus says he is, that the Bible says he is. Unity matters, but let me say this, doctrine matters as well. I'm not going to leave that out, okay? We're not dumbing down our doctrine today. Doctrine is belief in action. So the things you believe, you're you're putting those into practice. That's your your doctrine. It matters too. In fact, 1 Timothy says that we are to watch our lives closely and our doctrine as well. Okay? Watch your life and your doctrine closely. So doctrine matters as well. But not all doctrine is equal. You got your big rocks. And we need to focus on those. That needs to be the thing that drives us forward. And we need to grab our side of the net and say this, you know, hey, look, we're, we're not, to the people next to us, we're not going to be distracted by our differences. We're going to be united by the thing that makes us common. We're not going to be distracted by the the small issues that we have. Instead, we are going to be focused on what matters the most. And you know what matters the most? It's sharing the gospel and sharing our lives with a community and a generation that is far from God that needs them desperately. That needs to be our focus. And this is my prayer for this church. This is my prayer for other churches. This is my prayer for you and your family that we'll be focused on the rocks, that we will grab our part of the net cooperation with other churches, and this community will be changed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross. (laughs) And we will never fully understand the sacrifice you made for us because you love us. And Jesus' prayer is that we will be unified and we will be one and We have failed that. Like, we think that maybe we have cornered this thing, that our way of doing Christianity is the only way. And that is silly and foolish. God, there are 400,000 churches in the United States. There are millions of churches around the world and 2.5 billion believers. May we be unified The things that matter the most. The big things, the big rocks. May we love our preferences. That's great. The way we express our faith, the way we worship, our practices, those are awesome. May we love those. But God, I pray they wouldn't be our focus. I pray our focus would be on Jesus and the gospel and sharing our faith. because the world's at stake. Our is at stake. The people who are without hope right now in our community, they and their future is at stake. Help us, God, to be focused on the right things. Help us to be a church that lives in humility and prays for other churches, that cheers on other churches, that cooperates with them, does everything we can in this corner of the world, hanging on to our part of the net to see a great harvest, God. I pray for anyone in this room who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. I pray, God, that maybe today that that gospel will be true to them. Maybe their faith has been in some little small things, some sand and some pebbles. And I pray today maybe they put their faith on the rock. and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth and died on my behalf to save me from my sins. I pray, God, they would put their faith and trust in you. I pray for families here that are saying, trying to be connected to a church. God, if they're here today, if they're online today, and they're not connected with the church, I pray, God, that you would call them to be a part of this body today, and they'd take that next step. God, you would grow us and strengthen us so we can hold up our side of the net and see this community changed. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Catch me, or do your arms only hold me? I thought of father. We space let's use our voices to speak love into a dark world. So glad that you guys were able to make it to church this morning, and I hope that you will not leave here today. God's working in your heart. If you need to say yes and make the choice to follow Christ, say yes to the gospel for the first time, and we've been praying for you to do that today. So when we dismiss in just a moment, you can make your way over to our connection room that's over in the corner of our sanctuary our ministers will be there. We just want to pray with you. Answer any questions you might have. Maybe you you've been following Jesus for a while, but today you're just convicted, man. I need to come back. Come and tell somebody. That's always helpful, right? And maybe you want to join the church. You can do that as well there. But let's do what we do at the end of every service here at Central. We say our purpose statement. Why to remind ourselves what we're going to be doing as the church when we leave this place. Come on, say it with me. Central Baptist Church, we exist too. Live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a great week, y'all. You're dismissed.